0: Hey guys, this is your host Gooby, and welcome to the Toon Balloon Podcast, our outlet to discuss, theorize, and enjoy our favorite webtoons, with the occasional anime and manga sprinkled in between. Okay everyone, it's time to finally take a closer look into the momentous finale to Mint's arc in the Lore Olympus series. This is going to be an episode dedicated to the multiple chapters leading up to the eventual end of her character arc, or so we think. Chapters 149, 150, 151, 152, and 153 are all going to be discussed within this episode, and just like many of my episodes, there will be spoilers. Now, Let's dive into this webtoon. So, I remember when we first got introduced to this arc that I thought it was a little strange to jump into, hey, What is Mint doing (laughs) right now after that solemn reveal in episode 148, Daydreams and Nightmares of the skeleton Kronos awakening at the very end of that episode. But after following along, I realized that this extended three-part backstory was actually really necessary. The reason being was because the gods and the goddesses of Lore Olympus are starting to dive into uncharted waters. The reveal of Kronos plotting a return hints to a new active villain. Minth is an antagonist that is slowly being outgrown by both our main characters, Persephone and Hades, but also by the story's own evolution. Her story must come to a brief conclusion to make way for the real dangers within this universe. New conflicts are arising and I think it was Minthe's time to move on, even though in reality she never did. Episodes 149 to 151 cover the three parts to the dead woman walking chapter and essentially deliver info about Minth that we didn't know about and gave us a glimpse to how she and Hades met. It definitely is fitting to give characters, uh, I guess, proper send-offs with a backstory. It helps fill in those gaps whilst... Um, offering some closure you can see this a lot in other media this could be anime stories books movies you name it and the first one that comes to mind for me at least (laughs) is of course an anime and I'm referring to Naruto in which when Itachi dies after fighting Sasuke you do get an episodic number worth of backstory you get a lot info about who he was how he came to be, and why he did everything um, before his inevitable end. So for Minth reminiscing of her past at the start of chapter 149, while sitting in her car in a gym parking lot, uh, she just can't accept that Hades has moved on from her. So I feel like this was a fitting time to get to know what happened and how did this happen? Like, how did these two very... Now different individuals come to be. And like I said, she couldn't move on from the thought of Hades moving on from her, or even physically moving on from her. Which, this was news brought up by Thanatos himself in episode 138. Menth is collectively in denial as she says that they always bounce back, or that was just how their relationship has always been. And she mentions he's been mad before, and he always ends up coming back to her. And... <laughs> these toxic tendencies are quite evident in most unhealthy relationships, especially between these two, I know that Minthe is still stuck in the mindset that both her and Hades are supposed to be broken together, but that is just not sustainable. Besides that, before she met Hades, Minthe dealt with pretty humane struggles she couldn't keep up with her bills and she faced eviction numerous times she held temp jobs or side gigs and i think this was a unique way to humanize her character more i know she isn't one of my favorite characters out there but i do appreciate that she has a lot of depth for an antagonist she deals with a lot of struggles that has made her an angry woman at the world and i think the issue is that menth isn't able to vent out that frustration healthily and instead lashes out at others. And of course, that is a toxic tendency and that's not okay. This is something she does later to Hades. In episode 150, she barges into his office and lashes out at him over the hat he accidentally took. It was really sad to see those panels of Hades. I know he has gone through a lot of hardships. I mean, he ended up getting... Th- thrust upon with the role of King of the Underworld, and he has been dealt with getting eaten by his own father. I mean, those are traumatizing things to go through. And the Hades we know how is a now is a very different person. Um, he obviously has gone through a lot of growth and he has done his best to change as a good, positive aspect to his life. Uh, he has put a lot of effort into that. But we could see in the past, uh, he was dealing with those struggles in an unhealthy way. So for him and Minthe, it was like they were um, magnetized to each other in a way. And, you know, Hades was in a dark place in the past, but to have a visual of him looking so defeated was really heartbreaking. Both of them are in a state of defeat, frustration and exhaustion from what the world has thrown at them. I think we got some really unique and fun callbacks in this episode um, because whenever we see menth when she gets upset she starts dragging mud around her or she starts dripping mud around her because you know she's a river nymph and it has shown in the past whenever she has gotten angry that you know mud is dripping off of her she's dragging mud around the place and that attention to detail is really awesome and it's revealed that menth Got her job as Hades' assistant because she had the capability to stop anyone from coming into his office. And I guess she may have taken that a little too far when it came to sending Persephone to Tower 4. I mean, she did what her job uh, desired, but in the end of the day, I don't think you should be endangering a goddess's life like that. <laughs> and, you know, the assistant prior to her of course i mean she was upfront and was just like i don't want to be around you people get away from me <laughs> after she got fired and you know that was a whole emotional uncomfortable scene to be honest i can kind of see why their relationship might have made sense in the beginning since both of them could understand each other better but i think that lost its Essence. Once Hades grew tired of well being tired, <laughs> I, I am glad that Hades has been able to grow as a person through counseling and surrounding himself with more positivity in his life, and that could be from his dogs to new people who um, would want the best for him, and. From this chapter, I think it's very evident of how much these changes have really made him grow and become healthier as a person. Because I mean, he the guy looked uh, rustled up. <laughs> he he looked tired. His hair was all over the place. I mean, most of the time we see it nicely uh, kept, and in this episode we just kind of see it all over, all over the place. Basically, I mean. I mean, the best way to know how a person is doing is by how disheveled their hair looks. (laughs) Uh, At least in my opinion, I mean, if I'm not having a great day, I ain't having a good hair day, and that's just me. (laughs) And I think another um, way to know how much he has grown as a person is kind of like the way he approached to firing his assistant, because I don't think that's something that the new Hades would do, not new Hades, current Hades would do. Um, He definitely has a softer touch to things Now, But in this, we get kind of a sight of him spontaneously firing her and just having not much of a care for the well-being of them. And that's very different from what Hades does now, because especially with all the kindness that he shows myth later on in this arc, it was uh, a sight to see. (laughs) And I think this different approach to how he talks to people and how he thinks before he speaks. Um, It's so different, and what I've noticed from here is that Minthe stayed stagnant, and that kind of just proves that one thing I just said earlier, that the story outgrew Minthe, and so did Hades. Hades outgrew Minthe. Minthe continued to stay in a place of negativity, and this hurt her chances of having a happy relationship. And this could include uh, negativity as her attitude to the way she um, approaches people. I guess that could be another measure of attitude. But also, she surrounds herself with people who aren't necessarily healthy people to be around. They're toxic. (laughs) Uh, We got uh, Thetis. She definitely is an obstacle in her life and that has made it very difficult for her to you know grow because we know in the past she has tried to make an effort to change whenever um, she wanted to have a committed relationship with Hades but I think uh, even with those efforts she still surrounded herself with negative people that kind of sought out to make her life miserable and in the end it kind of have her regress. She regressed due to this. Some of the things that I was really curious about with this episode was just the aspects of the underworld life. I mean, we always get some really neat snippets to what the underworld is like, because we always get um, the idea that it's like a cityscape, it looks very unique whenever we get big background shots of it. And here we have them shopping for like a car dealership and it's a modernized world. And you know, we have Mint here and she's dressed up in the, I don't know what they call those girls. I'm gonna just call her a car girl. (laughs) And she's dressed up in the merch and she's just here trying to make people wanna buy cars. And I think little things like that is so fun because I love world building. And this episode does a really good job at world building and we get another um, idea of how Underworld Corp is like because by the looks of it, security wasn't great. Minth just barges in (laughs) and she kind of disrupts the area and ends up just getting a job. (laughs) And... Like I said, I think it's just a really fun way to build the world, build the way the city operates and stuff like that. It's very unique and I love how uh, Rachel modernizes uh, the the Olympians and everything because uh, that is a very different take from what I have seen and what I have read. I mean, uh, (laughs) most of my mythology knowledge is probably from like Percy Jackson or... Hercules, and I've realized that's not uh, fruitful enough for reading Lore Olympus. I definitely had to dive into some natural mythology. The mythology is, like, a very wide range of stories. <laughs> it's definitely like a game of telephone, because there's very different aspects to certain goddesses and gods, and I'm all like, I don't know what I'm reading, but I'm just having fun here. (laughs) It it really helps to read some of the theories and analysis that uh, Lore Olympus dedicated pages do, like thy novel, the Lore Olympians, on Instagram. They both do very excellent analyses for Lore Olympus, and they really help me build theories and research proper (laughs) mythology when it comes to Persephone or Hades or any of the goddesses and gods of this story. Um, I definitely really recommend that you go check those uh, accounts out if you really like Lore Olympus because I think they have made it even more fun to read the story because I have a fun time making theories and thinking what's going to happen next and even if they don't happen, it's still really unique to look at. Okay, so we will be taking a short break and return after this short musical interlude to talk about the other half of this large discussion. Chapter 151, Part 3 of Dead Woman Walking takes a leap out of the flashbacks and back into the present, where Thetis and Menth are greeted by the presence of Thanatos and the Daphne duo. <laughs> and, okay. Can I just say, I love this new friendship that Thanatos shares with Daphne. It is so much healthier and vibrant for him, and also, I just love Daphne. (laughs) Ever since we got an introduction to her, I I didn't get to know her very much until slowly whenever we got some good insight as to who she was. Like whenever she was um, escaping from her date with Apollo, uh, I just loved her then. She was so funny, and she is just so confident. And I adore that out of her. She is such a confident young woman and she knows what she wants and she knows um, how much her value is. And I really appreciate that out of her. And it's really awesome to see Thanatos be with someone that is just so confident in herself and actually really wants the best for people around her. And the fact that she is willing to speak to him and just hang out with him because she finds him, uh, what's the word? (laughs) Worthy of it. I don't know. She she takes time and people and I really like that about her character So when I saw them hanging out together, I was like, yes This is it <laughs> and I do ship them uh, after a little bit. I was like, yeah, I ship it. <laughs> I Am so excited to see more from these two, but I digress This episode has Minth confront the many new details going on outside of her life Despite Daphne's great efforts to maintain her class, it, it comes to a full stop since she wants to kind of listen in on the gossip, <laughs> which was way too funny as she's such a fun character. And the two women behind Minthe at the uh, gym class, I'm going to say, I wonder what Daphne was teaching. Was it like aerobics or, <laughs> or jazzercise? <laughs> and... These two women at the class were whispering intensely in the background because they were dishing out the sweet deets. And uh, I don't know, the whole time they were whispering, I was like, man, they got to be talking some real gossip there (laughs) because they just kept going. And I was like, dang. And sure enough, I was right because as the pink-haired Lady said, Minth, it's time for some home troops. And yes, the savagery. As she delivered that the kiss was tender. And I swear, Rachel Smythe must have been inspired by that Patrick meme where he's photoshopped with those nails and the eyelashes and everything. <laughs> when she drew that panel of her going off on Minth. <laughs> And Minth, of course, did not take the news well about the steamy kiss that Persephone and Hades shared, and I and she just can't seem to run away from the gossip. Not like any of the underworldlians are trying to be gentle about it, <laughs> um, because everywhere she goes, someone is talking about it, so... By the looks of it, everyone in the Underworld is aware of Persephone and Hades, and they are shipping it hard. (laughs) And I think it's really sweet. They just want the best for their king. They want him to have a queen that is worthy to rule. (laughs) And it, it didn't help at all whenever she went up to work that day. Um, hearing all this gossip and Thetis just kind of adds salt to the wound by declaring that they probably shouldn't be seen together for the time being because she kind of wants things to settle down and see where it goes which you know Thetis is a bad friend in reality a good friend would try to comfort um, somebody hurting from a breakup but that is not the case for Thetis she's just caring about her image But uh, well, we're not going to dive into that. <laughs> Um, Which, you know what, if I think about it, Thetis not wanting to talk to Minth for a good bit. It's something that they really won't have to worry about for too long, you know. Uh, So, Minth walks over to Hades' office, and it leads to them discussing some new adjustments needed for their professional relationship. And this leads us into episode 152. And that's the end of it for dead woman walking, because we are now in green thumb. And can I just say, when I read that um, (laughs) little uh, title, I knew. I knew it. I knew it was coming. And I I swear, when when I saw it, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. (laughs) And oh boy, though, the whole chapter was a roller coaster. It was fantastic. You know, I mentioned earlier that Hades has shown a lot of growth as a person because he has, he really has. You know, the example I brought up earlier was about the way he approached his former assistant and how he fired her. He just did it spontaneously. He wasn't gentle about it at all. But here in this situation, with a woman that has shown him no respect for him whatsoever and has shown him a lot of emotional toxic tendencies and someone that he's you know even though he's had a relationship with and has grown from it and it wasn't a good ending to it you know they didn't have a smooth breakup at all and Mint is still delusional that they are gonna be fine and get back together like my example earlier he did a spontaneous firing and in here he sits down with Mint, and he is showing her so much generosity and he doesn't have to do that. He could just fire men as spontaneously like he did the last time. But he's not going to do that because he's grown at a person. And the fact that he offers her not only a new position that's got higher pay in a different facility where, you know, the, the objective was that they won't see each other because it's a toxic workplace at this point with the two of them being around each other. Um, he offers her Other opportunities, and that is such a big leap from the person he was before. Because, like I said, he just fired that person, and he was he didn't even care that she, you know, said some very dirty things to him (laughs) like some mean words. But to be fair, it was warranted, and I mean. I don't know. It was just like a very nice demonstration of how much he has changed with the amount of effort he's put into it. And he shows kindness towards Mint when I think Mint hasn't really shown her delivery to be awarded this kindness. And so when we get into this episode, we already get a glimpse of Mint kind of not wanting to pay attention to what he's saying and she's just trying to do her old uh I don't know stick because my guess is it has worked before and by the looks of it it's not working now <laughs> so menth is trying to seduce Hades but he just was brushing the comments off you know without a thought just a little brush off the shoulder <laughs> the scene was already uncomfortable like Jeez, it was uncomfortable. The whole time she's like, remember when we did that thing back in the office? Man, that was hot, right? And he's just here like, uh, so let's talk about professionalism. (laughs) And I mean, I was uncomfortable reading that because I already knew it was cringe. She was, it was quite cringe, especially since the guy wasn't, you know, I mean, meant read the room. (laughs) And even though I thought it was uncomfortable, as soon as I realized that Persephone was in the room and she's just having to hear all of this from Minth that the the cringe radar just went it just skyrocketed because <laughs> if I was uncomfortable here reading that, imagine being in the room and hearing that <laughs> about this woman just talking about your man. <laughs> So, of course, her sitting there was like, you know, made it even worse, in my opinion. And I wouldn't blame Persephone for intervening, but she held her tongue for as long as she could. And to think, Hades offered the sweetest and he showed so much generosity to men's by offering her, you know, this new stable job. And he offered her an opportunity to go back to school. I mean, like, that's insane like this man is gracious because minth has put him through a lot but minth just couldn't do it she couldn't be civilized she couldn't be an adult in this situation and instead she lashes out like always and begins weaponizing his insecurities and that's kind of something that people in toxic abusive relationships deal with and a lot of times because insecurities emotional abuse those are usually, as sad as it is, normal tactics that you would see in an abusive relationship. And that's what they were in. They, I mean, she has physically hit him before. And obviously by this, she starts weaponizing those insecurities about him. She starts mentioning about the way he looks that no one's gonna want him, which is definitely not the case, but that's what she's saying. She's saying, I am doing you a favor because no one's gonna want you. And obviously, that's not okay, but that's what she does, and that's why Hades wasn't able to move on from her in the past, because stuff like that can really get to a person when their self-esteem isn't great, and I don't think Hades had the best self-esteem in the past because he has dealt with a lot of hardships and he's he didn't have the best image in himself because as the king of the underworld, I don't think you would get a great reputation because that is something that I think doesn't have the best connotation behind it. But besides that, Minth kind of uses that and lashes at him and makes him feel like a terrible person. And that's horrible. And thank God for Persephone <laughs> because... I mean, in reality, as much as I would have wanted for Hades to be the one to stand up to Minth, and to you know be the one that's gonna you know not punish her, but I don't know, at least stand up to her and tell her like it is, because he really hasn't. He he just kind of moves on from her, and that's okay. He doesn't really owe her anything. But the fact that Persephone does it, I. I actually appreciated it because in the end of the day, that is someone that she cares about and she, instead of you know letting him get berated again and again, just like the past whenever Hecate had to intervene and stop Minthe from going too far when it came to Hades and hurting him, emotionally or physically, she jumped in and stopped it because it was someone that she truly cared about. Hecate cared about Hades and she loves him just like how Persephone does. And I feel like as a person who's gonna love somebody, and you're gonna make sure that they're not gonna get treated like trash. And in the end of the day, Myth isn't treating Hades right. And in this moment, when she is saying the most horrible things to him, I can see why she couldn't you know, hold her tongue no more. And the I think Persephone could deal with anybody talking about anything about herself. But if it was about someone that she cares about, she is going to step in. And I mean, Myth proceeds to berate the man and even talks boldly about endangering Persephone's life. Uh-uh, that's nonsense. <laughs> and we get a hint of both Persephone and Hades unveiling their true forms. And oh my gosh, guys. Hades with his stars and Persephone with her red eyes, her glorious um, green wings and all—I loved it. I loved it so much. That parallel of this pairing in demonstrating what a real king and queen look like, they had the energy and I am so here for it. I need more scenes of these two pulling in with their full forms, with that king and queen stances and everything. They need the crowns and everything. I'm just, I want to see that happen more in the future. <laughs> the last straw played was myth outwardly provoking Hades and Persephone with all of the disastrous things that she has done in the past such as reporting Persephone's mom and when Persephone uh, intervenes uh, since this is something that she will not stand for um, attacking her loved ones this includes Hades, of course, because as Persephone is unleashing her curse on Minth, it is evident that someone needed to put Minth in her place. Persephone is right. Uh, who does Minth think she is to disrespect the king of the underworld? Um, and Persephone delivers that powerful line that seems to be a phrase. Uh, that I think a lot of the Olympians have used in the past. Um, you know, she says, it's too late for sorry. Now, I remember seeing something from, I think it was thigh Novel. It was one of the fandom sites for Lore Olympus, and they were saying that um, it's too late for sorry was actually kind of a term that Hades and Hecate ended up using in an old chapter that Rachel Smythe did when the comic was still on Discover. Now, seeing Persephone use it and seeing that comparison that I saw on that fandom site, it was really, really cool to see that. She's just fitting right in to the underworld, and obviously she's got that queen energy, and so she is just, you know, it's like um, being the queen is just her, her destination, and it's so cool to see her just... Flaunting it, her passionate side. I, I kind of want to think it's like her fertility goddess side, kicking in and, you know, passing on judgment as queen. Even though she's not queen yet, she's definitely got the energy of it. <laughs> and I think even in the myth and everything, like the actual Greek myth, Persephone is known to be much more, I guess she's more of like a, a discipline kind of person <laughs> she was more ruthless in comparison to Hades which is why I guess they refer to her as like the dreaded queen and why she's feared more than everybody and all that kind of stuff so to see her just passing on her excellency here and you know don't disrespect the god don't disrespect the king of the underworld and for a I really do feel like yeah quit disrespecting him quit degrading him the way you are <laughs> And so when she, you know, sprinkled her little curse, <laughs> um, it leads to Mint becoming Mint. And just like in the Greek myth, how charming. <laughs> as much as others have said in the past, I noticed some fans didn't want this to be the end for Minth. Many have declared that they wanted Minth to redeem herself and have that mystical redemption arc, and actually grow as a character. Although, I can understand that sentiment, and I would want nothing more for Hades to actually have a calm and professional relationship with men. Uh I think this just mirrors life. I mean, no one can have a glorious redemption arc all the time. I mean, I always think of like a perfect redemption arc as like Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. No, that's like a redemption arc. And the character had gone through waves until he finally made it to that route where he was ready to redeem himself. And Mint hasn't done that yet. Mint has had spur of the moments, but nothing that's actually gotten her to really push herself to redeem herself and change. And so, like I said, I feel like this just mirrors life. And in the sense of relating to a human's life. Um, Before I said that Minthe deals with humane struggles. She's a pretty flawed character and I think that is uh, a fact that she hasn't been able to get herself out of that negative box and it reflects what a lot of toxic people undergo in real life. Minthe is relatable in the sense that she can't let go of those evil thoughts and I don't... I don't think she has earned her room to grow just yet. Uh, Minth hasn't recognized her toxic behaviors and she hasn't put an effort to deal with her emotions in a healthier manner. And she antagonizes others and she weaponizes her insecurities along with other people's insecurities. And I feel like her becoming a plant is actually the key to her possibly getting the opportunity to redeem herself. Just like how many People need time to reflect and take a time out from things that frustrate them or from things that maybe they shouldn't have done something bad and they need to take a time out. Um, it's exactly what Minth needs right now. Reflection, uh, the ability to listen and actually put in the effort to understand other people. Minth, as Persephone said, sure likes to talk so her losing that ability would do her some good yeah also persephone looks stunning (laughs) in this episode because she's just dropping model shots left and right (laughs) and i love that hades ended up saying that sugar snaps quote that persephone always uses it was so cute And, you know, like I said, Persephone turns her into a form where she really can't speak and bring about her toxic tendencies of yelling at people and throwing her insecurities in their faces. This is just mint's opportunity to actually have to listen. She has to sit still. She has to <laughs> um, actually understand people and kind of, you know use her ear like her hearing (laughs) because in reality she she really doesn't do that as for episode 153 cursed we get a demonstration of the mint plant actually showing an, an ability to hear everyone so by the looks of it mint is still sentient i get the feeling that isn't the last of mint she's going to have a return in the far future and i think it will be thanks to Persephone finally being able to utilize her powers properly. Whether or not the return of men's will be a good thing, that's just something to speculate. I think her being a plant would definitely give her a good opportunity to reflect on her actions and actually attempt to better her lifestyle. This, of course, would require her to go to therapy and apologize to Hades sincerely And either way, she is a plant, and for now, her arc has ended. Hecate proposes to Persephone the motion that she needs to get a hold of her abilities and suggest therapy, which will be an awesome opportunity for Persephone to delve into. This is definitely going to be key to her road as the dreaded queen. And I don't think this is the first time that she's been recommended to go to therapy. I think... Eros has mentioned it to her before after she um, revealed to him one of her very private issues and I think yeah she needs to go to therapy. She's dealt with a lot of um, pushing herself away from her true self and everything and she has a hard time dealing with very passionate emotions and it would do her some good to finally be able to grow into her own skin. I do think that We'll be seeing a lot of changes from her and you know, they're, I hope that they will be positive and that she'll be able to really open up to herself and to others whenever she feels right and ready. Also, I love that Hecate is so relaxed in her true form. I wonder how that works in her case. Is she essentially flexing of a sort to keep her form at bay? <laughs> Anyways, I adored the interactions between Hades and Persephone here. The two of them are complimenting their features, particularly the ones that they don't really like about themselves, and I guess it's something that they are insecure about. It's the sweetest thing, and it's nice to see them appreciate each other for the way they are, and be comfortable with one another. The chapter ends off with Eros and Artemis uh, discussing what exactly Persephone implied in her last phone call with Artemis, Um, which... Sadly for Artemis, this isn't Eros's truth to reveal, and it's hard to see her hurt, but I do hope she can find some semblance and have an opportunity to talk with Persephone herself. I admire that Eros is keeping his promise and respecting Persephone's wishes. Uh, this is a very delicate subject, and I think he is handling it in the best way possible And as for Artemis, she would need some time for herself. And as hurt as she is to hear that no one is honest with her, then I think it is safe to say that she will be dealing with some harsh truths in the future. I, I worry of how she's going to handle it all and how she will deal with her brother, Or if she will side with Persephone. I guess that is speculation for the future. So um, we'll just see whenever it comes up in later episodes. All right, so since we covered the last few chapters leading to the eventual potted plant, (laughs) I can say that we have reached the end of this episode, and I had a wonderful time dropping my thoughts and observations for this arc, and I would love to hear yours. So let me know your thoughts and opinions of what we discussed today in this episode by messaging me through either of my social media handles. Both my Twitter and Instagram handles are at the Toon Balloon. I would love to hear from you. Also, definitely tell me any other Webtoons, anime, or manga you are interested in, and I may talk about them in a future episode. The Toon Balloon podcast can be listened to on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. So for you guys, I have one quick question. When it comes to Lore Olympus, Who is your favorite character out of the entire series? You can send me your answers through Instagram or any of the other social medias you can reach me to. And I would be so excited to share them in the next episode. And so let's end this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time to listen to my humble podcast. I look forward to talking with you again. This is the Toon Balloon podcast. I was your host, Gooby. See you next time.